I apologize, I don't have my correct sermon notes pulled up right now. There we go. All right. Okay, so we're going to be in 3 John tonight. Last week we looked at 2 John, but tonight we are in 3 John. And we're going to be looking specifically um, at this idea of hospitality as we see it in the epistle of 3 John. Since I surrendered to ministry, uh, my great aunt Jean, one of her favorite stories to tell me is of how her parents, my great-grandparents, uh, helped to start Marionette Black Baptist Church where I grew up. And in the early days of that young church, they didn't have a pastor. And so they would have students that were um, down here at Southwestern, and they would drive up on a Saturday evening, and then they would preach on a Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon, and and then they would drive back down here. Uh, but she always makes mention of this one point, that they had a small bedroom in their house that was reserved for the traveling preachers. Hospitality was such a big thing for uh, her and for my great-grandparents. And that's what John's writing to us about here in 3 John. 3 John is kind of a, a mirror image of 2 John. It is, uh, whereas John wrote his second epistle as a warning against showing hospitality to false teachers because then you're, you're involved in spreading their deception. We looked at that last week. Uh, this epistle is positive. It's about those who preach and teach the truth and showing, extending that hospitality toward them. And so, uh, commentator John Stott, I, I believe, is correct in suggesting that these two epistles uh, need to be read together if we are to have a, a balanced understanding of what John's trying to communicate toward us. See, John is concerned about Christian hospitality. And now, the, the word hospitality is taken from the Greek word that means love of strangers. Uh, this kind of love isn't just an emotional love like what we often think about as love, but it is an intensely practical love. See, in John's day, hospitality included openings one's home and, and caring for needy Christians like traveling preachers. It also included opening one's home for church services. And uh, in his second and third epistles, John gives some guidelines regarding Christian hospitality. Uh, let me give you these four real quick. Uh, first, one must show hospitality towards those who have pure motives. Uh, one must show hospitality toward those who are not in ministry for money. Uh, those who show hospitality participate in the ministries of those to whom that hospitality is shown, whether it be uh, that they're promoting the gospel or a false teaching, you're involved in that ministry. And so therefore, demonstrating hospitality, those demonstrating it share in the deeds of those receiving it. And so uh, tonight we're going to look at this in Third John. And let's go ahead and jump into that. John is writing to his friend Gaius, and he writes this. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health, just as your whole life is going well. Your, your version may say, just as your soul is doing well, he, that he wants him to experience physical health like that of his spiritual health. For I was very glad when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth, how you were walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in truth. 
Dear friend, you're acting faithfully in whatever you do for the brothers and sisters, especially when they are strangers. They have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, since they set out for the sake of the name, capital N, talking about Jesus, accepting nothing from pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we can be co-workers with the truth. So, the first thing that John says here is that we need to support these ministers of truth. We need to support the ministers of truth. And so, while we know much about John, we know that he's the elder. We know that he's elderly by this point, that he is an elder by nature of his position as an apostle and leader over the church. Uh, We don't know much about the recipient of the letter because Gaius... Uh, is a very common name. In fact, it was one of the most common names in the Roman Empire. Uh, And so, in our modern context, we might call him a common Joe. Uh, Yet, while we don't know anything about, specific about Gaius, like where he is, where he's from, who he is specifically, anything like that, uh, we know a lot about who Gaius is spiritually. We know Gaius is a friend of John. Uh, John was likely a spiritual mentor or a pastor over Gaius. Uh, John calls him one of his children. John had been friends with Gaius for some time, but he had received, and, and he'd maybe been away from him for some time, but he received reports about the way that Gaius was living. Evidently, Gaius had become spiritually mature, and he had bound himself to the truth of the gospel. And it's important that we train new Christians in the gospel. A few years ago, there was this guy named Josh. Uh, Josh would not come to church, but his wife and his kids came to our church. Uh, and but he but he wouldn't come. But our church held a, a block party for our. Uh, it was like a back to school block party for the community, uh, just open to anybody. And so he came with his family to this, and I was able to speak with him for a few minutes. Uh, while during this event, but uh, I I really wasn't sure that I made much of an impression uh, upon him. But to my surprise, the next Sunday, he was there uh, in church, and and I made sure to go with and speak with him, and uh, he kept coming back. He kept coming back to to the church, kept coming back to to hear the sermon, and and, uh, one day he asked if he could talk to me in my office after the service, and he said, I'm thinking about accepting Christ and, and making him my Lord and, and doing all these uh, things to become a Christian. And, and I've just got some questions. I'm not really sure uh, what's going on. So um, I talked with him for a little bit, and he, when he left, he wasn't really uh, ready to accept Christ yet. But I sent him with some passages of Scripture to read and said, hey, Here's my cell phone number. If you have any questions, you can call or text me, and I'll be happy to answer your questions. And so he left, and uh, the next day I got a message from him, and, and I responded back to his question there. And a couple days later, I got another one. And, and I could tell he was really reading the scriptures, and he was asking these questions that were coming up in his mind as, as he was reading those. Uh, eventually, uh, he, he did accept Christ, and then so did his wife, and so did his kids. And I had the privilege to baptize the whole family one Sunday, uh, which was a great privilege for me. Um, I, I began meeting, this guy's name was Josh. I began meeting with Josh, and then there was another young man in the church also named Josh. And so I, I 
said, hey, I'm going to make you guys my Joshua project. And uh, we're going to meet on Mondays, if that works for you, Mondays, uh, Monday evenings. And so we began meeting on Monday evenings every week, and we were working through uh, a book together about uh, important scriptures that every Christian needs to know and, and things like that. And eventually it got to the point to where uh, we would do our, our lesson um, for like three weeks out of the month, and then the other week we would uh, have the whole family, uh, both of their families come over, and we would uh, just have a meal together and just enjoy being together and, and talking of spiritual things, just, just the few of us. Um, we did this for probably about six months or so, may have been a little bit less than that. Um, but then, um, situation happened, we left the church. Um, but I, I've heard back regarding, um, these, these two young men that they're now deacons in that church. And, you know, John says here, there's no greater joy than to hear that your children are walking in the truth. And that doesn't just apply to our biological children, but it applies to those uh, whom we've had an influence in the Christian life. And so it was a great blessing for me to hear that these men that I had met with every week for a a time period had, had matured and that had been recognized by the church and that they had been ordained into the service of the Lord as deacons. So I can imagine the encouragement that John had received from getting the, the news about the faithfulness of Gaius. John had not only heard of how Gaius was becoming spiritually mature, but also how he was supporting others to preach the gospel. He was welcoming these others into his home so that they could go out and do the work of ministry. John especially appreciated this in light of what was happening in the area, and we'll look at that here in just a moment. But Gaius's spiritual maturity led him to act toward these strangers consistently with what he believed. See, these people were strangers, people whom he had never met. And in the first century culture, a stranger was viewed as a threat to the community. So an individual couldn't just go to a local hotel or, or a local motel and get a room. It didn't work like we couldn't just go and use our credit card, you know. And so it was a it was a completely different situation than in our our current context. Even they had inns in the New Testament, but even those inns were the the innkeepers were suspicious of people they didn't know. And so, if someone were traveling, they would need to make arrangements with someone that they knew, uh, so that they could have a place to stay. If they didn't know somebody, then they would need a letter from a patron to go to a certain person to to receive them. And so, based on the circumstances of, of this letter, it seems that these traveling preachers were sent by John. They had letters from John or, or other, possibly other apostles that en- uh, encouraged the local church members uh, to be willing to accept them, that the local Christians would extend hospitality toward them. And so, they would go with these letters of recommendation, and, and if a person refused to accept them, it was not just a refusal to accept that stranger, but it was tantamount to rejecting the person who endorsed them. And so, while they were called strangers, the, these ministers of the gospel, they, they were strangers in that they didn't know them, but at the same time, they were brothers in Christ. And they deserved to be treated as family, and they were endorsed by John, the, the apostle. And so Gaius had welcomed them in, and he had shown them hospitality, and these brothers then brought a good report about Gaius back to the church. And so John wrote to encourage Gaius, continue to show these evangelists and these missionaries and these preachers the hospitality of Christ that you have been showing them. 
So, friends, while we, we are to be careful to not show hospitality towards those who come preaching heresies and false gospels like what was going on in Second uh, John, we must extend our support to those who are traveling and preaching the truth of the gospel. Our missionaries and our pastors, they deserve to be treated with love as a brother or a sister in Christ. And, you know, the, the other day I went to the store and, and there was a, a man sitting out front. He was selling something. I don't, I don't know exactly what he was selling. I couldn't understand what he said. But he said he was selling it to support one of the local churches. Uh, and so this church was seeking support from whomever would give them money. Uh, and John commended that these traveling missionaries, they weren't just accepting from whoever. They weren't taking stuff from the pagans. And, and so missionaries and pastors shouldn't be forced to go beg or to, to work on behalf of a secular society in order to provide for their needs. Christian brothers and sisters should support them in their ministry, just as Gaius provided for these that, uh, that John's writing about here. Remember the, the story that Jesus told about the, the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, the king will say to those on his right, Come ye who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared from, for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then, listen, the righteous ones, the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, on, on the opposite hand of that, Jesus goes on to talk about that the ones who refuse to do that, that they would be sent out, not in a good way, but they would be sent away because they were goats instead of sheep. Gaius opened his heart. He opened his home and he opened his hand to fellow Christian teachers. And we should do the same. But, <clears throat> there were also those in the church who refused to do so. And there were some in John's time. This refusal to extend hospitality to others is caused by pride, it's caused by self-centeredness uh, rather than, than uh, selflessness. And so listen to what John has to say to the church about a, a leader named Diotrephes. Let's look at verse 9. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive our authority. This is why, if I come, I will remind him of the works he is doing, slandering us with malicious words. And he is not satisfied with that. He not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, but he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. And he says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. So John says we need to correct the ministers of self. Correct the ministers of self. Those who don't seek to glorify God, but seek to glorify themselves. 
John describes Diotrephes as one who loved himself. He desired to be first. He was selfish. He was self-centered. He was self-seeking. Whatever his plan to exalt himself, it apparently worked, at least temporarily. He had amassed some significant authority in the church. And and this often happens that someone with a strong personality comes in and they seek to, to... to be the leader, they seek to have authority, and so they do whatever they need to to amass that, and that's what had happened here. And so, though John had sent a letter to the church regarding these these teachers that he was sending, this church leader intercepted it somewhere along the way and said, listen, I am not going to let them in. Don't you let them in to your homes. And so... He had prohibited others in the church from showing hospitality toward them, and he had worked to expel those. If someone were to go out and to to say, listen, I don't care what Diotrephes says, uh, I'm going to, this is a guy who was sent by John to preach the gospel to us, I'm going to take him into my home and provide for him. Diotrephes would rally the people of the church and get those people who were, who dared to go against what Diotrephes said. He would get them and kick them out of the church, or try to. And so he modeled the opposite of Christian love. He modeled the opposite of Christian kindness and the opposite of Christian hospitality towards God's servants to the point that he even denied John's apostolic authority over the local congregation. And sadly, you like to think that 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 doesn't happen anymore, but it happens all the time in the church today. In, in my first vocational ministry position, there was a man in the church that, uh, he, he was pretty wealthy for the area, uh, but he and the pastor had a bit of a falling out, and he had, he had gained a, a lot of, of uh, influence. He'd been in the church for a long time. He had a lot of influence in the church, and he offered to write the pastor a church for $10,000 if he would just leave right then. No questions asked. But uh, when the pastor refused, the man started causing all kinds of problems in the church. And when that didn't force the pastor out, he decided to try a different tact. And he got with a guy who had previously been a pastor of that church, but had uh, left to another church and then had gotten into some immoral living uh, and was kicked out of that church. Um, He he got with this guy who who had previously been a pastor of this church, and they tried to start a house church across the street from the church. And he kept trying to get the members of the church to leave and join his house church. Now, men like, like this guy and like Diotrephes, they cause serious division in the church. Uh, men like this, they love to be leaders. They love to exercise authority in the church. They want to control others. And so they have an ambition for leadership, but they aren't called to be the leader. Sometimes they're, they're unqualified to lead, and that leads to a whole host of issues. Uh, uh, think of like the, the, the generals that have been promoted, even though they were like the bottom of the barrel, uh, and, and they somehow got promoted up, and then when they go to lead, they, they run into uh, a massacre, and they all he not only leads himself to ruin, but all who follow him. Um. Pride in themselves and, and pride in their positions, that's their downfall. And this is not simply a problem for, for lay leaders or people in the church that, that think they should have power, but it, sometimes it's, it's a problem for pastors. A, a pastor is called to be a humble shepherd, not a swaggering dictator, but man, some pastors that I've met, they, they, 
I've, I've heard it said this way. They rule that church with an iron fist. That should not describe a pastor. <laughs> that should not describe a minister of God's word. But they should be a humble shepherd. These men and people like them that want to be preeminent in the church, yet there is only one who is preeminent in the church, and his name is Jesus Christ. Yet Paul described the humility of Christ and commanded the Christian to have the same attitude. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 2. Adopt the same, excuse me, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, that is, being God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, but instead he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had become as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross." For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, Jesus said, Jesus' character was, I am worthy to be the leader, but I'm going to humble myself to be a servant. But a lot of times what happens is the servants try to exalt themselves to be the leader. Diotrephes' character was the very opposite of that of Christ. It was the opposite of the gentle and loving attitude that Gaius showed regarding hospitality in the ministers of the word. And so therefore, John comes, plan, plans to come and he's going to call out Diotrephes. And I can just imagine John the Elder <laughs> tapping into his younger days and living up to the nickname that Jesus gave to him and his brother, Sons of Thunder. You don't get nicknames like Sons of Thunder for no reason. But that's how Jesus described James and his brother John. These were some rough-hewn fishermen. They were rough, they were tough, they were gruff. They would not back down from a confrontation. In fact, they might have even looked forward to one. And so I can just imagine that as John's coming, the whole church is gathering to see what would be the equivalent of the first century Christian version of WWE Smackdown. Don't laugh, because you know it's true. Where there is potential for a contentious business meeting, that's when you're going to have the most people in a business meeting. You're going to see more people in that church business meeting. You're going to see members that that you didn't even know were still alive. They've, They've fallen off the face of the earth, and all of a sudden they're in the pew ready to vote in favor of whoever sways their vote. But John makes it clear. Do not imitate evil. Do not imitate evil. Diotrephes and those that are like him, they are not living according to the word of God. They are living according to their pride. They are exalting themselves. Charles Spurgeon had, had this word to say. He says, Be content to be nothing, for that is what you are. You see, the, the Bible has a lot to say about pride, and, and that's not our focus here, but it has a lot to say about pride and how pride is man's downfall. But here John is emphasizing that the men who live according to pride, these men and and women who seek the limelight, that they are doing evil. The one and only imperative that we have in this whole letter is this. Do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. 
People who claim to be Christians but are really more concerned with working to get power for themselves in the church, to be able to lead others to do what they want rather than what Christ wants. John says that they are working in the realm of evil. That those that refuse Christian hospitality, they are selfish and evil. And John stresses that people like this, they have not seen God. So in other words, they don't know God. They aren't Christians. So therefore, we as the church, we need to correct them if they're living like this. And if they refuse to be corrected, then we need to reject them. And we need to show hospitality toward the faithful. We need to welcome those who faithfully minister the word like this man John calls Demetrius. Look with me at verse 12. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius, even the truth itself. And we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have many things to write you, but I don't want to write to you with pen and ink, sounding similar from Second John. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends send you greetings. Greet the friends by name. So we need to welcome the ministers of faith. Welcome the ministers of faith. Because this this is the whole point that John's writing. He's saying, Gaius, you've done well to welcome. Diotrephes, he is, he is sinning against God by not welcoming people uh, that are coming, these ministers that are coming in, his, in the name of Christ to, to preach the gospel. I want you to welcome Demetrius. Extend to him Christian hospitality. And so this is John's letter of recommendation for Demetrius to the people. Gaius and the church are to receive him. They're to extend Christian hospitality toward him. And so he, John gives this threefold testimony in favor of Demetrius as a, as a traveling missionary. So first, he says, everyone spoke well of him. Everyone speaks well of him. He, he's got a reputation of, of being a good guy. And, and he does well. He has a solid reputation as a Bible teacher and a minister. And then he says, second of all, even the truth itself witnesses to him, to Demetrius. And so he, he doesn't just preach the truth, but he lives according to it. And his reputation shows that. And, and so he's got this reputation of a man that lives according to the word of God and ministers according to the word of God. Uh, But it goes further than that even. And and John says, listen, I recommend Demetrius to you. You know me and you know that I speak the truth. My testimony is true. I recommend Demetrius to you. Accept him. Show him Christian hospitality. So if Gaius trusts John then he could trust that John won't recommend Demetrius to him unless he's lived up to this good reputation. And so when you receive this kind of report about someone that, that hey, they are this good person, that they are this, this Christian minister that that's everybody's talking good about, and then you get someone who you know personally that says, this guy... This guy is a is a minister of the gospel and he lives according he's a man of God. Welcome him into your home. How could you not extend Christian hospitality toward him? 
As with his second letter, John closed with a note of his anticipated visit coming soon, and he he expects that he will receive that same kind of hospitality that uh, that he's been requesting for Demetrius and for the other ministers. And so the main difference between him and those is he's already known. People already know him. Usually you don't have a lot of problem trying to find somebody to welcome you when they already know you. And so he says, uh, listen, I'm not a stranger. I know each member of the church. Ask, he asked Gaius, greet the friends by name. Let them know that I'm coming. Tell them I look forward to seeing them. I'll see them soon. And, And when you do that, you're going to receive Christian hospitality, or you should. And so, our challenge is that we need to demonstrate Christian hospitality. We need to be the ones that are willing to welcome a, a, ministry, a missionary or a, a teacher or a preacher of the word to come into our homes and to, to show them, to demonstrate this Christian hospitality toward them. So maybe you're, you're listening to this or you're, you're watching it and you're thinking something along the lines of this. Uh, listen, I'm not a leader. I have no position of leadership in the church. Uh, I'm not a deacon. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a staff member. I'm not an elder. I don't have any influence in the church, so this doesn't apply to me. I want you to know that it does apply to you. Because you may not be a leader in the church. You may not be in a position of leadership. But you need to remember what Dr. David Allen says. Every Christian is the best Christian that somebody knows. People are watching all of us. People are watching you. If you say you're a Christian, people have their eyes on you to see what you're about. And the world is watching you to see what you're going to do. And so for some, you may be the only Christian they know. Or if you're playing the the comparative game, you may be the best Christian they know. And so the question is, are you showcasing the love of Christ? Are you showcasing the righteousness of Christ? Are you living according to the truth? Are you extending Christian hospitality toward the brothers and sisters? The, the good that John is concerned with in this chapter is about supporting these traveling pastors and preachers. So let me ask you this. Are you demonstrating your support for your pastor? Uh, what about for our missionaries? Are, are you supporting them financially? Are you supporting them uh, by... Dis- displaying and demonstrating Christian hospitality toward them? Uh, what are some ways that you can better demonstrate Christian love by demonstrating Christian hospitality? Maybe you need to uh, be willing to take someone out to lunch. Uh, maybe you need to be willing to welcome in- them into your home. Maybe maybe as a church as a whole, you just need to look at, are we providing financially for our pastor? Is he going to, to look and go, man, I've got to go get another job so I can be able to do the ministry? Uh, you would be surprised at the number of people that say, I've got to do this job to, to finance my ministry habit. And so uh, we shouldn't have that as a problem for us as Christians. We should be able to, to know that if, if we've got a minister, we're supporting them. We're demonstrating Christian hospitality toward them to the best of our ability. So uh, there's, a, there's a worksheet, a handout that goes along with this lesson. I want you to take a look at it, especially the very last uh, question that says what are what are some things that you and your family can do to support and show demonstrate Christian hospitality this week